Well, no surprise, our text of Scripture for this morning comes from Acts of the Apostles, the story of Pentecost, the second chapter of Acts. I invite you to listen for God's Word for us from the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, Ah, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days, I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? And so, dear God, we come again to this time and this place to receive what you alone give. And so we ask that your Spirit would descend upon us now and that you would speak to us as only a living God can. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. That wasn't long ago I told this story, but I think it bears repeating. It was, if you've ever traveled internationally, you know that Traveling has some challenges, particularly when you go into different countries and have to deal with their electrical systems. A year ago, a number of us traveled from the San Marino Community Church to the Holy Land. And Israel uses 220-volt service, twice the power of the American 110-volt electrical plugs. Your home probably has 220 service, Uh, for your dryer or washer, uh, some of the more significant uh, industrial heavy equipment in your home. It's a little bit like the difference between having a half-inch water pipe and a one-inch water pipe. You get twice the flow and the power. So my wife and I were preparing to go to bed, and we had prepared for the trip, we brought several different adapters to Israel so that we would have the right one. 
As we were getting ready for bed in Tiberias on the Sea of Galilee, we plugged in our iPhones and our iPad and our computer to recharge overnight. Everything was going smoothly with our adapters. But then my wife Lynn tried to plug a heating pad in to relieve some stress in a neck muscle from the trip, and instantly we saw this flash of light, and then suddenly we were cast into utter darkness. The circuit breaker had blown, and we hoped it was only for our room and not for the whole hotel. Earlier, when we were putting things in the closet, I'd notice a, a breaker box, so I grabbed a flashlight, and in I went to try and solve the problem. And as my wife got up to assist, she felt something crunching under her feet. It was the control panel for the heating pad. When that 220-volt surge of electricity went through that control panel, it not only fried it, it exploded, and it sent bits of plastic flying everywhere. I found the breaker panel, I flipped the switch, we had electricity again, and we fell into bed laughing at the whole affair. And I learned something important about electricity and travel. There's a difference between an electrical adapter and a transformer. For electrical devices that don't produce heat, you only need an adapter. But for those that produce heat, like hair dryers and heating pads, you need a transformer. The story of Pentecost this morning is a story of the church moving from an adapter to a transformer when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Power, power was unleashed in the early church. And this faith of ours has power. In fact, in the New Testament, the Greek word is dunamis, from which we get our English word dynamite. Paul writes in Romans, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. Dunamis. Now, I think many of us are used to kind of a 110-volt circuit for our faith. A little charity here and there, attend worship occasionally, maybe volunteer to assist with a task or two at church, but really little significant change to our lives. There's no big idea around which our lives begin to revolve. We seem to become content with small adjustments and minor distractions regarding our faith. And mostly, we end up finding ourselves complacent about it all. But the early church experienced this jolt of 220-volt faith on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit electrified them. And it blew the cover off things. And it launched a radical and an extensive change in the church and in their lives. The Holy Spirit surged through them, and it was a miraculous outcome. Now, the first thing I need to say about Pentecost and this early development in the church is that it was all God's initiative and God's idea. They weren't gathered together somewhere praying for this to happen because 
that had nothing to do with what they did other than the fact that they were all together. This was Pentecost. This is the 50th day after the resurrection, and it marked the beginning, just like the 50th year marked a new beginning in Jewish law. They called it the year of Jubilee. God's people worked out things in sevens. Every seven days, there was a Sabbath day. Every seven years, there was a Sabbath year. And when that cycle of seven times seven made 49, it also became a Sabbath, so that in the 50th year, they called it a year of jubilee. In that year, if you had a debt or a mortgage, it was canceled. You started out debt-free in the 50th year. They let the prisoners and the slaves go free. Everyone got a fresh start. It was the beginning of a new era for everyone, good and bad. And the day of Pentecost symbolized the joy and the excitement of the year of Jubilee, a time of God's new beginning. The early church received power, and it came like the sound from heaven of the rush of a violent wind. There's a story told of a Harvard professor years ago who went to talk with Phillips Brooks, who was then a preacher of the great Trinity Church in Boston. Brooks wrote the lyrics to O Little Town of Bethlehem, a hymn that we sang when we were in the Holy Land in Bethlehem. The professor talked for about an hour with Brooks, and he came out empowered and changed. And later it dawned on him that he never really asked Brooks the question or asked him to address the problem that he had. And later that professor said, however, I didn't care. I found out that what I needed was not the solution to a particular problem, but the contagion of a triumphant spirit. That's what got loose on Pentecost, the contagion of a triumphant spirit. Now, we live in a period of time where there is an increasing fracturing of community. Globally, just this week, we've seen how difficult it is to reach an accord on anything, much less climate change. And even here in the church, there is a splintering of denominations. There are divisions within congregations. There's hostility among and between tribal groups. The Holy Spirit was a gift of God that didn't discriminate along the lines of human standards. All received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And each and every one of them had the capacity to speak in some native language. Everyone was moved in that, in that moment from a bystander to an active participant in the mission of God to make the world different. From dazed and confused followers of Jesus, they became decisive and determined. And the rush of wind that filled their lungs allowed them to breathe with both lungs. 
They went from asthmatic followers of Jesus to full-lunged followers loving both God and others. Now this past week, on Memorial Day, we remembered our veterans who paid the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms that we have come to know and enjoy. And I want to tell the story of one such veteran who exemplifies, I think, this double-lunged approach to our faith and had a powerful kind of faith that made a difference. Private Robert Stanbury Johnstone, at age 18 years, was stationed in the Pacific during World War II, and he had a premonition of his own death. He wrote to his parents and asked them to use his $10,000 government insurance to establish a scholarship and asked them to use it to allow one of the Japanese combatants to experience a different way of life. A young ensign in the Kamikaze Corps of the Imperial Japanese Navy who took Robert's name and was known as Robert Nishiyama was awaiting his orders to fly out and crash his explosive suicide plane into a U.S. warship. Private Johnstone was killed in battle, but Ensign Nishiyama, whose country surrendered before he ever was sent on a mission, became one of 20 applicants for the Johnstone Scholarship. Nishiyama matriculated at Lafayette College in Easton, Pennsylvania after the war, sponsored by the scholarship from Private Robert Johnstone. There was an article from a 1948 journal entitled, Kamikaze Goes to College, and it tells the story, and one of our own members here at San Marino Community Church, Harry Gage, preserved the article and shared it with me just a few months ago. Nishiyama was expecting to be blamed for the war, but instead he found other students friendly to him. He was one of 500 freshmen that year at school. His wife, back in Japan, and his daughter, who was two years old, but his wife was a graduate of Stanford University. And the Johnstones met Nishiyama in the president's office at the college when he arrived, including Robert's younger brother, Bruce Johnstone, who was also a freshman in that entering class at Lafayette. And Nishiyama's roommate was Louis Bender, an ex-Marine who was studying for the ministry. Now this is unusual. It's not expected that a family who has lost a son in battle would use the insurance money to establish a scholarship for a former enemy. There's a picture in the article of Nishiyama bowing his head to return thanks before a meal. And the caption at the picture says, he and his family are all Christian. And it seems to me that the fracturing and the splintering nature of human community finds an antidote in the political and the eschatological implications of the movement of the Holy Spirit. 
that was experienced on Pentecost. And this is the kind of thing that can happen when God moves through our lives individually and collectively. The Lord does not discriminate based on human standards. All experienced that power. All heard the gospel in their own dialect, in their own native tongue. I used to imagine Pentecost as the reversal of the story from chapter 11 of Genesis where the Tower of Babel led to the confusion of languages so that people, quote, will not understand one another's speech. But reading this week in preparation for this sermon, I came across one commentator who suggested it's not actually the reversal of the Tower of Babel because that would have ushered in one common language. Instead, it says, they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And the people responded, how is it that we hear each one of us in our own native language? In other words, this is much more than simply individual inspiration or individual power for living. There's a collective experience that recognizes diversity and celebrates it, and yet has the power to create one community, one people. That's a big idea today. Some sneered and believed they were just intoxicated, and some sneer today and believe that idea is a dream. But those on that first Pentecost breathed by the breath of God, and it led to the very first sermon, the very first proclamation of the gospel empowered by the Holy Spirit. Private Johnstone desired that his life would be in service to a big idea. Not just a good idea, a great idea. His faith was not just a 110-volt faith, but a 220-volt faith. He desired that his death would provide access for an enemy to an education and would create a future with hope for others. What big idea is the Holy Spirit leading you to this morning? How does God want to use your life and use our collective life as a community of faith to build a future for others? What if we just decided this morning that on this Pentecost, we're going to declare this the year of Jubilee for ourselves? I mean, at least once in everybody's lifetime, you ought to be able to experience a Jubilee year, don't you think? Every 50 years? Let's declare this is it. Everyone gets a fresh start. It's the beginning of a new era for everyone. There's a new fresh wind of the Spirit blowing, both on good and on bad. The day of Pentecost symbolized joy and excitement of the year of Jubilee God's new beginning. Well, 
Today is a new beginning. Today we receive power like the rush of a violent wind. That's what it is to breathe with both lungs. To love God. And to love especially those who are near you. Your neighbor as you love yourself. It's a power that's unleashed in human life and every once in a while it becomes uncommonly witnessed to in the unfolding of human affairs. Don't miss the power of Pentecost to change your life and to change our life together. Thanks be to God. Amen.